If you game, you know settling into your battle station feels enlivening. But gaming on Alienware gear with Intel Core i9 processors, it's more than that. It's a feeling you won't forget. It's where intentional design blurs the line between fantasy and reality. It's where your gear feels like an extension of you. Sometimes it's so immersive, so responsive, you can't tell yourself from your machine. If you're ready to feel one with your gear, start gaming at Alienware.com, featuring the Alienware M15. Brought to you by Netscope. If you're responsible for your enterprise's IT, today's technology and security challenges are top of mind. How can you manage accelerated transformation while planning for the unexpected impacts of the future? Netscope understands these challenges and wants to help you navigate them. That's why they've launched the Reimagined series, conversations with tech trailblazers who've come out on the other side of similar challenges with ideas that transformed the way enterprises work. Watch the episode with Robert Herjavec, CEO of Herjavec Group and a Shark Tank investor, for insights on enabling digital transformation, creating a winning culture, and attracting talent. Sign up at netscope.com slash series. Netscope, reimagine your perimeter. Throughout history, switching to new technology wasn't complicated. Ancient Roman aqueducts made water fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Electricity made candles fast, reliable, secure, nationwide. Today, we have AT&T 5G. It's fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Put into a historical context, it's kind of a no-brainer. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan, may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Greetings, mobile accomplishers. Welcome. We are doing something a little bit different for the Tuesday episodes for the next little while. As you may have heard, Neelai has a new show that he is starting called Decoder. And so he's working on that. In the meantime, because it's hardware silly season and there's so much stuff coming out, we wanted to spend a few episodes doing a deep dive on some of the reviews of the devices that are coming out right now. And in order to do that, I didn't want to just like tell you more stuff about my review or Dan's review or somebody else's. We wanted to speak to other the reviewers that are looking at these devices and give you sort of like a director's commentary to the different reviews. I think it enriches your understanding of the reviews and it enriches our understanding of the devices themselves. So very, very excited for the first episode. We have Sherlyn Lowe from Engadget. She reviewed the Surface Duo, just like I did, and we're going to have a big, long conversation about it. We were also joined by Dan Seifert, who's a deputy editor at The Verge, because he edits our reviews and he has a lot to say from that perspective as well. So this was a really fun conversation, really really understood a lot more about how to think about this new category of folding devices. And I think you're going to enjoy. Sean Lowe, you are the reviews editor at Engadget. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. What an honor. An honor. Uh, we also have Dan Seifert here. He's a deputy editor. Hello. I'm also honored. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, we wanted to dig deeper into some of the reviews that we've been doing because it's hardware season and everything is nuts. Charlotte, you have reviewed the Surface Duo, the Microsoft Surface Duo. Yeah. And before we really get into it, like this hardware season in particular, I feel like we've gone from like, oh, we've got weird experimental form factors to we've got form factors that people are trying to make real. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think of this idea that we're finally moving away? from just flat glass slabs. I I think it's an interesting dichotomy because, yeah, on the one hand, we've got Samsung and Microsoft trying like dual screen and folding screens and LG with the wing. Holy crap. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's getting weird and I love the weird. I welcome it. But on the other hand, we've also got the candy bar, you know, that traditional smartphone look is is really just gone to a point where it's so almost boring but it's good mm-hmm. that and it's so the formula is so refined that like Google was able to do the Pixel 4a and it, actually that's what I liked more mm-hmm. but the place for like a Surface Duo something like that right it's not like people haven't tried to make dual screens happen it's just like the excitement now is palpable it's people want something like this now where they yeah. might not have as much before yeah, I think that's like the what people want and whether or not there's a market for it is a big question. So the the thing that I struggle with is are they doing this because they can, you know, the Jurassic 
Park quote, like your scientists, blah, 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 blah. Uh, or are they doing it because they have a genuine vision? Or are they just doing it to like have something that feels new because the the, the market is stagnating a little bit and there, there's like a, you know, just everything is a candy bar now. Actually, we have a clip. Uh, we had Panos Panay, who made mm. the Surface Duo up a while ago when they were first like trotting it around and showing everybody. Um, Andrew, can you play that clip from Panos where he like talks about the category of this thing? I feel like phone is such a limiting word. You know, and then you say, well, smartphone, I don't even know what that means. And then phablet, I'm not sure what that is. But everything has an identifying factor to it. Even when we started Surface, people are like, so it's a tablet. I'm like, it's not a tablet. It's just not a tablet. It's a Surface. I don't know what to say. And you want to categorize it and put it there. I think if you're going to create a new category, you're going to try and change things, push push things forward. The minute you put you put it in a box, I think you're lost. So I've been pretty resistant to that just to not end up there. First off, I'm pretty sure Panos knows what a phablet is. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't think he's too lost when someone says it's a phablet. No, I, in my review too, like, I immediately was like, what is the Surface Duo? It's not a phone. It's just not good as a phone. It's not a phone. It's also not really a tablet. In fact, as a tablet, I think it kind of sucks. It's just something trying to be a lot of things. And I, and, and hearing that Panos description of it now makes a lot of sense. This duo seems to be something that doesn't really know what it is and doesn't know what it wants to be, but it's still trying to go and be a lot of things anyway. Well, the fascinating thing is uh, it doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. Um, I I think you said like this is basically two phones. That's the best way to think about it. I kind of agree that that's basically how to think about it. Uh, But the fact that Microsoft is refusing to say it's uh, are they just doing this to like have something different or they like do you genuinely think I don't Dan, maybe you can answer. Do you genuinely think they have a real vision for like the future? Because like there's also the Neo apparently still hanging out there somewhere. You know, I I was going to allude to that statement that you made earlier about like, what are these companies thinking? And like, I don't want to give Microsoft too much credit because we all know how the Surface Duo has turned out and we'll talk Mm -hmm. more about that. But I think when you talk about like what Samsung is, Samsung's approach versus Microsoft's approach to this dual screen thing. And it seems like Samsung is very much like we've done the stale design for 10 years. We're trying something new. We can do it. We have the technology. That's why we're doing this. Whereas Microsoft doesn't have that, like, I mean, it has a failed legacy of many years of, of making phones, but it doesn't have, like, a successful phone business that it needs to, like, take to the next level. It is introducing a new form factor that maybe maybe Microsoft doesn't really know how it is or what it's supposed to be. Uh, maybe we don't know what it's supposed to be yet, like, but they have access to technology that allows them to produce this form factor. And I think to to your point, Sherlyn, earlier, where you were saying people are excited and palpable mm-hmm, about them, mm-hmm. it really feels like the hardware form factor, the design is really driving a lot of that. And and you can do it now. You can have this really wildly thin device and and, and have these two screens attached. And how are we going to use them? We'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> the intention is definitely like curious. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing it just to do it or if they definitely think this is a form factor they can they can see taking off in the future. I will say it's like not like no company has tried. Like Dell has had their prototype. We've seen at CES a while ago and then LG. Yeah, LG. Yeah. Oh my gosh. LG is almost <laughs> a bad word with the dual screen space, I feel like. But like so, so like here's the difference I think that I see between the Surface Duo, the in, at least on the from the the interest in the Surface Duo versus say the interest in an LG dual screen device. The LG hardware was always clunky looking and it was always thick and it was always like literally two phones slapped together and like one and a half phones. Yeah, one yeah. and a half phones slapped together. Yeah. We took the camera off, so it's no longer a phone. And then so like, you know, there's this real small niche of people who are like, oh, I can be really yeah. productive with that. And this is exactly what I want. But like most people are going to be like, why is my phone twice as thick now? Yes, exactly. And then you look at the duo and the duo closed is the same thickness as an iPhone. So like. It totally removes that kind of yes. hesitation um, that that we've seen before. So, like, I think that's that's why I really think that like the, the hardware interest, like, the, just the this looks so sci-fi and futuristic. Like, I want to see how this works. Is so much different with the duo than it was with prior dual screen uh, attempts. I fully agree that that thinness is amazing. It does bring about its own troubles, <laughs> and we can talk about that obviously, but. I love how thin it is. One more thing before I, I want to get talking about the device itself. I can't believe I'm just like keep putting that off. But thinking about this, is it a category or multiple categories? Who knows? Like maybe folding phones and dual phones like are one category. Maybe they're two. Maybe nobody actually knows. That's probably the real answer. The one thing that all these devices have in common is they're super expensive. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> maybe not the LG stuff, but the the price on the Fold and the, the price on the Surface Duo are super high. Like as you are trying to think about 
this category and think about reviewing this device specifically, how do you think about this price? Because it's it's super hard to wrap my head around and like give people advice when it comes to this, these prices. I have to think about it in the way that like a person walking into a store would like are they going to pay the upfront fee or are they more likely to choose the installment plan? And I think for a device like this, they're more likely to go with the monthly fee and the people who are very excited by the form factor are going to want it and they're going to opt for the monthly fee. Just because like... I, I mean, I've been there. I've been there where I really want something and I can't afford to pay for it up front. And I'm just like, oh, there's a monthly installment that's kind of cheap. I'll <laughs> yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. So as much as price is a big issue with these devices, I feel like when you break it down in 24 payments, a lot of people who are big fans of new novel things like this don't really mind, right. which is sad, well. <laughs> but... It at least gives them the opportunity to try something like that out. Yeah. My hobby horse with any subscription plan is you should always list the monthly price and the yearly price because people understand the yearly price better in their heads when they're trying to weigh what it's worth. I also think not a lot of people are as good at at finances as we think. (laughs) I mean, I'm terrible at finances. A lot of bad decisions being made sometimes. I definitely just bought a PS5 because like the page worked for me. I didn't really know if I wanted one, but like the page actually worked for a second. I was like, oh, done. It's like, why did I do that? I don't know. Yeah. Good for you. Okay. So we should talk about the thing itself. We should actually talk about the duo. In your review, what did you think was the most important thing to impart on your readers like what and your viewers in the youtube video what was the thing you definitely wanted people to know when you got done with this and wanted to tell people about it i really wanted them to know that as much as i was excited for this thing that that it still is very difficult to use in the real world and also kind of like what are you getting for the money and i'm sure you guys have the same like issue right it's like i in my head i have this internal debate like whenever i write a video i'm like okay what are the haters and the fans going to say because yeah. you kind of have to couch against that and i know the microsoft hardcore fans are going to love this regardless and i need to tell these people like it's fine to be in this almost like idol worshiping relationship as long as you go in clear eyed knowing that there are problems you're going to have to face and and go through and if you're okay with that good for you live your life but (laughs) not everyone's going to be and i think that that's what i wanted to point out which is i guess kind of philosophical (laughs) well no it's totally philosophical i mean for me on this one in particular my very first plan was to say like the the thing you absolutely need to know about this thing is it's got bugs it's got beautiful hardware it's got like a terrible camera blah 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 blah. but like the first thing was bugs and when they uh put an update out and they like tamped the bugs down a little then I had this balance of do I talk to the Microsoft fans who want like a Microsoft ecosystem thing like you're saying or do I try and explain the concept and the vision or do I just like say you know this thing has bugs here's how you use it and like balancing like practical versus like what it could be versus like talking to the actual target market for this thing was way harder than your average phone in my opinion oh my gosh our jobs are already pretty hard not to like (laughs) Poor us. <laughs> Trying to balance all of this into one article, which, by the way, sometimes... So my editor, Terrence O'Brien, does not like when I submit anything upward of uh, 3,000 words. So mm. trying to cram everything... I can relate. <laughs> oh, so you're a word cutter. I see. <laughs> yeah, so we try to keep things concise. And it's hard to squeeze all of that that you just said, Dieter, into yeah. one 2,500 word story. It's a lot. The duo is something that I've not reviewed. Like this, something like this, I haven't reviewed in a while. And every, I had to leave so many examples out. I had to like yeah. cut out a lot of things. So one of the things that I found myself cutting before I gave my 3,000 word draft to Dan, hi Dan, <laughs> was uh, having too many comparisons to the Galaxy Z Fold yes. 2. Uh, but I saw you, you like, you You definitely held them both in your hand. You definitely had them on a table. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you, how do you think about those two devices in comparison to each other? I think this is finally the time for us to have that debate between foldables and dual screens because we right. finally have a dual screen device that really can be a good candidate. The Z Fold 2 also is finally kind of like good enough. Yeah. And comparing the two, people keep asking me, and and we did a lot of live streams with the Surface Duo when we first got in stuff, and we were getting a lot of direct feedback from people who are actually interested in these things. And that really helps me understand what people are curious to find out. Right. Um, And one of the things they they keep asking, what's the difference between the two? I'm like, there's a hinge that you can see in one of them, and and you can't (laughs) see the hinge in the other on the screen. And there's an outside screen on the Z Fold 2. And can I just spell out these differences and how, you know, it affects your use of the device? I think the Z Fold 2's outside screen really is much better than 
how you would use a duo otherwise as a phone, which is you flip the screen all the way around, which took me a while to realize too, like, oh, right, I can unfold this all the way around. But essentially, the main difference comes down to trying to use them as a big screen tablet, where right. like that hinge really eats stuff up on the duo. And on the Z Fold 2, it's not that much of a problem. The crease is so minimal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the the fact that the the hinge on the duo, act, when you said it eats content, like yeah. people don't realize that they don't, the screens don't kind of split out. And so it's just like, there's a big gap yeah. there. It literally acts like it's one big screen, even though it's not. So that hinge right. gap destroys content. You, like you will lose words or you'll yeah. lose part of the picture in that gap. That is totally okay if you're reading an article and you can guess what the words are, but if you're like <laughs> playing a game or you're like, there's buttons in there that you have to yeah. press and they happen to be on the hinge, good luck buying your PS. Five on the mobile browser. You know what I mean. <laughs> so, Dan, the, writing these things during the pandemic and shooting these videos during the pandemic is hard on one hand, but it's also hard for you editing because you didn't actually get to hold the thing. And like, I just I had to submit this draft to you. So, like, when you are trying as a reviews editor to actually like take this thing and like point out the stuff that is obvious to me that's not obvious to you, like, how does that work for you? Uh, you know, the, the first thing I think I start asking you questions about, and this is even before you hand in a draft, but I just know you have the thing in your hand is like, does this work on it? Can I do this <laughs> on it? Like, cause, cause just like, just like a reader or just like a fan or anyone else who's like seen this product and wants to talk to somebody who's use it, you, you have a bunch of ideas in your head of like, how would I use this thing? What can right. I do with this? And so my first questions are like, what apps work across both screens? What like what does Kindle do when you open it? Like, do you have to tell it that you need to have two panes there, or does it just try to stretch that one page across? Or like, what does Google Maps look like? Or like, you know, all these kind of like practical things that I would just like if I had the thing in my hand, and once I got past that first like five minutes of playing with the hinge, I would start opening apps and start like installing things and start being like, okay, can I do this? Can I do that? And so like that's that's where my thought process starts. And like like I said, that I'm I'm as an editor working with you much before you submit a draft so that we can like hone an angle and, and figure out what we want uh, to say and what is the right thing to say and what is the right thing to cut and so on and so forth. So like those are the questions I start. And then, then the feedback I get from you is like, well, it's really buggy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, well, okay. Now my, my dreams are a little dashed. Yeah. My hopes, a li- my hopes are a little, little more subdued. Where is it buggy? What does it prevent you from doing? How often is it, frustrating you like and i think we 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 deal with that a lot in in a lot of products is like you can brush aside a bug or two especially if it's it's infrequent not something that you're going to see all the time but when you start piling up bug after bug after bug after bug and it's like to use a cliched phrase death by a thousand cuts then the 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 experience really starts to, to get worse and really starts to frustrate you and if if you can't spend a half an hour using a product without something crashing or a bug happening or your keyboard flipping to the other screen when you need to type or whatever other bugs you've seen with this, like that's like a non-starter. And like at that point, it's just like, okay, this is a great concept, a great idea that clearly is not finished. And 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 then we, that's where we really need to, to get to that point into the into the article itself or into the review itself. So this maybe brings us to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is when we're reviewing these things, I think a lot of people don't realize just every like the weird stuff that happens while we're reviewing a device. Any notable incidents for you, Sherlyn, while whilst you were in the process of reviewing this device? Anything anything happen? Yeah, before they issued that software update on September 5th, I was ready to throw this thing somewhere, except for I couldn't pay for it. So <laughs> it <laughs> It, the, it was so impossible. I don't know if you had the same experience, Dieter, but before the fix, it was impossible for me to span an app mm-hmm. across two screens. And then switching them from one screen to the other also was just nearly impossible. Yep. And I hate, and I think a lot of reviewers feel this way too, I hate when a company tells me you're doing it wrong. Because like if I'm doing it wrong, the user's not... I'm, like, I'm more savvy than the average yep. shopper at Walmart or something. And if I can't figure out how to do this right, they're not going to. And that's terrible yeah but after they fixed it and after i had like my office hours with them which (laughs) they did with all of us which they needed to to be honest a lot of things started to become easier to use but yeah i I still hate it like when dan when you mentioned the keyboard i had such a ptsd flash moment where like (laughs) just it is impossible to type to people on that thing sometimes uh, especially in the laptop mode so yeah I mean, it just stuff would be, just fly around in unexpected ways, and it was and like having having to do the gestures was really difficult. The other thing, I, I mean, just 
a software update coming in the middle of a review process that makes it really difficult to, to talk about is sometimes the software update doesn't come in the review process. Samsung is famous for this. Yeah. We have you get a thing, there's a ton of bugs on it, and you're like, hey, there's some bugs. And they're like, yeah, but there's gonna be a software update on day one. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, so we're not reviewing it now what, then. Like what, what what do we do? What do we do yeah. with that? Yeah, day one typically being the day that the thing goes on sale, right. two days after a review embargo has lifted or whatever. So like well after we're able to test it. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have a do you have a, a approach for when that happens? Do you just wait? Do you just review what they gave you? What do you what do you think you should do in those cases? Yeah, this is such an internal philosophical struggle too, because I would much rather we not care about embargoes and not care about when the company dictates you publish their review. But then we have to think about I mean, Verge is one of our competitors, right? And I have to think about, like, <laughs> Dieter's probably going to get his article right up in the minute that the embargo breaks. So I have to have something up. So the approach then is to be, like, as transparent as possible with my readers saying that Samsung says it's going to issue this fix. But because I wasn't able to test the fix, I can't tell you if the fix will be, you know, effective. But right now, there's a chance this might still not work when you get it. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of angst about this, too. Same and Gadget's one of our competitors. <laughs> One of the things that helped me is uh, Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile on YouTube, yeah. uh, put up a just a, a rig, big, long thing where he's like, look, this is a device that they gave to reviewers saying, judge this to tell everybody if it's, you should buy it or not. And if if that is what they hand us to say, judge this, uh, and then they that, that's what we're going to judge. And if there ends yeah. up being a software update and it's like significant, yeah. then we will tell you. But I just got to say... 85 times out of 100, the software update doesn't fix it. It just yeah. does not. And the fact that Microsoft's software update did and that they got it to us before day one mm-hmm. was actually shocking. Yes. I was like, we. so I don't know about you, and maybe this is not, this might be too behind the scenes right now, but I'm part of like a group chat with some of the other reviewers in the space. Michael Fisher mm-hmm. is in the group chat too. So it was really fun to have all of us start. Some of us start receiving the software update and we're like, oh, this works so much better. And other people are like, where's my software update? Why isn't it coming yet? <laughs> and you know, this thing still bra- is broken for me. So yeah. you're right. It's really nice to see that the software update actually did improve things. Yeah. Well, I see what what's happened here. Uh, I, I'm not invited to the group chat is yeah. the, the lesson I've, I've taken away from this podcast. This is a very useful podcast for me. I hope it's useful for you as the listeners. That's I, the end. I'm going to go sit in the corner by myself and cry. Listen, I was just about to say, like, this is the first time we're even talking, like having a real conversation, Dieter, because uh, when whenever we do see each other at events, we're too trying to beat each other to the punch to get our articles up. So we can't even talk to each other. Oh, it's not even beating. Uh, that's OK. <laughs> It's not beating the punch. It's that I'm, I'm literally filled with fear and panic and terror nonstop. Same, same. <laughs> I think we're all so stressed out. But you, I remember you were very nice once and you like freed oh up a power outlet and was like, here, you can have this power outlet for your laptop. And uh, no, but now that we're, you know, chatting, yeah. obviously you're invited to the group chat. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> you too, Dan. Yay. <laughs> true story, a, a true technical story. When I first started going to events, I purposely carried around a little monster, like, uh, three-outlet power strip that was like a travel power strip um, so that when we were busy, like, in the press room or something, I could be a good guy and help somebody (laughs) else plug their thing in when the power outlets were all full so that I could, like, meet people and make friends. I didn't know you wanted to do that. I was, I'm always yeah. afraid to approach people, so I never say hi. And, uh, and I didn't know that you would like people to say hi to you. I, I just, just always assume I'm afraid. Is, is Even if you're not right. a tech journalist, yeah. this tip is super useful at coffee shops. If you yeah. bring a little power strip, you're the person Ooh. with three power outlets. You're the helpful person. There you yeah. go. Friends. Great way to meet people. If we ever go to coffee shops again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that caveat. <laughs> One last sort of meta review thing that I would really like to get into here. And this is probably going to be a theme through all of these shows where we're talking about the meta issues of reviewing devices is the camera. How important is the camera? Because to me, uh, with so many Android phones specifically, their differentiation between a Moto G whatever and a, I don't know, a TCL 
10 whatever. <laughs> like they've got the same processor, they've got the same RAM, their screens are basically equivalent. Like you run down the spec list and like how do you help somebody make a purchasing decision between these phones? Mm-hmm. And the answer comes down often to the camera. So I feel like as a reviewer, uh, I often over-index on camera quality because it's like the one thing that can help you make a purchasing decision. Mm-hmm. But with the Surface Duo specifically, how did you think about the camera and how to like talk about it and how, how heavily to weigh it? I didn't weigh it all that heavily because I knew that the person buying this device wouldn't care that much about camera quality anyway yeah. um, in terms of quality. But what frustrated me about the Surface Duo and is evident in my review is that like it is so hard to effing use. <laughs> Before they issued the software update, it was near impossible to get the correct screen to face me. I don't know if we need to explain that, you know, like because there's only one camera on two screens that, you know, when you're pointing the camera that's facing you, it should be a selfie. And then when you're pointing the camera side out, the other screen should come on. Right. And like 90 percent of the time, it just wouldn't work before the software update after it improved to like 50 percent. But it still wasn't working really well. And I think for it's hard to justify that experience for anyone, even the most hardcore Microsoft fan shouldn't live with something like that. But that, that's what I weighed. Not the quality of the images, which were just meh, but more like it's almost impossible to use this camera. I think meh is very, very kind to the yeah. quality of these images. Uh, they were just stri- like the thing that I, that I felt is they should have just called it a webcam. Because that's the quality. Like, I'm looking at you on uh, a MacBook Pro's terrible webcam right now, just the worst quality. This is what I would expect to come out of the Duo. Like, it's it's pretty awful. It's really bad in low light. I was getting okay quality in, in like, daylight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, like, yeah, I half know. and half. The, the, <laughs> the update actually affected the camera a little bit. Uh, before mm. the update, I was finding that photos were really, really desaturated and just completely lifeless. And they added mm. a little bit a little bit more punch when right. they put that software update out there, a little bit more saturation. Dad, you always harp on me that, uh, like, not everybody cares. With, like, how do you think about the camera on, on smartphone reviews? I, I hate to take it from my very personal biased opinion uh-huh. but like when i rank the five things i care about in a phone for my daily experience the camera's not even in that list Aww. like i mean like as a person that uses the phone all the time i care a lot about performance i care a lot about battery life i care a ton about that screen quality because that's the thing that i'm interacting with all the time and mm-hmm. i really care about how it works in my hand like it's easy to hold can i hold a kid in one hand and scroll twitter on the other because that's the important thing to do in life <laughs> and like <laughs> Like if I, if I, those things are ruined, like I, it could have the best camera in the world and I, I don't care because mm. I open the camera app on a phone two to three times a week. And most of the time it's like to take dumb pictures of something on my desk or like <laughs> to scan a receipt or something. So for me, my personal use case, the camera indexes really lowly. And so when I'm asking questions about things, usually I, I, I mean, Dieter, you can back this up. I'm usually not asking about the camera all that much, mm. even though like, I find I, I, I classify myself as a huge photography nerd. I love actual cameras, not phone cameras, and I love taking pictures and debating them and all that fun stuff. The just the phone camera to me feels like a diminishing return. It can get better and better and better, but it's only going to hit a certain point. And then like it's it's just it's going to be a phone camera. That said, fourteen hundred dollars for the camera that comes on the duo is like really hard to wrap my head around. And I think I think the way that you approach it, uh Sherlyn, is really appropriate for this device like it's not going to be the greatest quality camera it, there's we, we can point out all the image quality things but like obviously mm-hmm. this device is not there to like capture memories it's for a different purpose but like if you can't even use it to take a picture of the dumb thing on your desk <laughs> or like scan the receipt or yeah. you know do the skype video call or whatever that you would be doing on this then then that is like fundamentally broken uh and that's super important and then like you know, to take it off of me, like, obviously the camera matters a lot to a lot of people. And so it is an important thing, especially if you're saying, well, I'm going to spend $500 more for this phone because the camera is so good. Like, obviously the camera matters, matters to those people. So you got to balance it. But I live on Instagram, so it's hard. I like maybe in a different world than Dan is. And so maybe that's why the camera is a bit more important to me. I'd like yeah. to capture what my eye sees and share it with people that I love and know. Um, and also, I mean, I think this is no secret that I take a lot of selfies. So like the selfie <laughs> camera experience is a whole thing, too. 
but I see your point. The things that you pointed out, Dan, as the things that you you find important, I think I've just internalized as like basic fundamental things a phone yeah. has to do. And yeah. so I don't, you know, think about it so so much. In fact, like some of my reviews don't even talk about like ease of one handed use sometimes, unless it's something like the duo, which is a bit wider than usual. So the camera is just kind of almost a bonus sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a great spot to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about some other basic things that you expect a smartphone to do, and also some weird new things that you expect a smartphone to do. So we'll be right back. If you game, you know settling into your battle station feels enlivening. But gaming on Alienware gear with Intel Core i9 processors, it's more than that. It's a feeling you won't forget. It's where intentional design blurs the line between fantasy and reality. It's where your gear feels like an extension of you. Sometimes it's so immersive, so responsive, you can't tell yourself from your machine. If you're ready to feel one with your gear, start gaming at Alienware.com, featuring the Alienware M15. 5G from AT&T is fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. So should you switch? Well, historically, those were the reasons new tech was adopted. Neanderthals saw that fire heated things fast and made their cave secure from rampaging woolly mammoths. The ancient Romans saw that aqueducts were a reliable and fast way to transport water. So they stopped carrying water jugs on their backs and adopted them nationwide. And 1800s Victorians saw electricity light up rooms fast and be more reliable than candles blowing out. So they stopped bumping into walls and made it nationwide. Today is no different. Switching to AT&T 5G is kind of a no-brainer. Historically speaking, it's smarter than candles, water pots, and hungry dinosaurs. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires a compatible plan. 5G may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Okay, so we're back. And uh, we're talking about things you can or can't take for granted on a smartphone. And one of the things we often take for granted on a smartphone is just like the fundamentals of how the software works on like Android or iOS. Uh, But the fundamentals of how software works and the way that you get around on it, uh, you cannot take for granted on the Duo. There's also some just a lot of weird like quirks to it. And Charlotte, in your YouTube video, you actually talked about uh, actually, let's just listen to it. A lot of the Duo software is buggy, but Microsoft said it plans to roll out updates for the Duo every month. So hopefully the most glaring issues will get fixed soon enough. But there are some things that might not change. For example, the notification shade here is the same size as on a regular smartphone. So on a screen that's as wide as a Duo's, it feels very narrow. A Microsoft spokesperson told me that they were aware of this, but kept the width so as not to fork Android. And it doesn't sound like that'll be changing anytime soon. It is legit wild to me that Microsoft walked all the way up to the edge of should we fork Android or not on this device? <laughs> like, can you talk about like what led you to like that experience of like what was broken and how you like we got to the door of like forking Android? It was just I was finding things that were just unintuitive throughout, like the notifications panel that I mentioned was too narrow for the duo screen. And Mm -hmm. then it was blocking certain elements on the other screen where it shouldn't be even blocked. And I was like, what is going on here? It doesn't feel natural. And so I asked Microsoft when I had a chance to talk to them, I was like, Hey, you know, what's, uh, what's the reason for this? Or is there a fix coming? And they were like, um, <laughs> we, we, we know <laughs> they're like, yeah, we know, but we don't think we're going to change. I was like, Oh, if you're not going to change it, this is, this is an issue. And that's when I, I, I think they were telling me, yeah, they're, they were not interested in forking Android or they just didn't want to. I think they wanted to make, they worked with Hiroshi Lockheimer and mm-hmm. his Android team at Google on this. And I think the idea was to build Something that didn't require too much tweaking of the native Android interface, things like the width of the notifications shade, for example. Right. Um, because apparently, if I, I'm thinking that if they did, then developers would have to, I don't know, do a lot of recoding, which doesn't really seem to make sense. 
because shouldn't it just be like as easy as a system-wide change of the width of node? I don't really know how Android is written, so maybe that's why. Yeah, it, should, it totally should be, but it's possible that there's like a max width and that uh, layout elements just start just falling apart when they get beyond it. And like right. to fix that, they would have to fork Android, I guess. Right. Which is wild. <laughs> yeah, it baffles my mind. I think if Microsoft tried to do more... I think it's afraid that developers might have to do more work or that it won't be able to keep it as open to other people who want to make dual screen devices in future. So, On a larger level here, maybe beyond just the, the Duo, we could also maybe talk about the, the Fold 2 mm-hmm. and actually hell, any Android phone. I feel like the that we've evolved in the way we talk about Android. And like, we used to talk about skins and like it oh, was yeah. like fair to call things a skin. There was TouchWiz. Dan, what was the one in HTC? Uh, Sense. Sense. HTC Sense. Yes. God. Which <laughs> launched, by the way, on Windows Mobile. Thank you very much. But now it doesn't make sense to talk about these things as skins, right? They're yeah. like they're like versions of Android. And the difference between, I don't know, Samsung's version of Android and Amazon's forked version of Android, which is, <laughs> becomes Fire OS, like, yeah. is that a difference in kind or is it just like there's like a fuzzy gray line and eventually you like look around and all of a sudden you're not in android land anymore (laughs) i mean for me samsung's version is still pretty true to like original android i haven't Mm. spent a lot of time with fire os but i almost start to think of it as a backbone for people who want to create their own os's and they just dress it up however they like um, but basic navigation features or like how you how apps look or whatever, they all generally look the same. And yeah. that's nice because the user doesn't have to do a lot of relearning. And I like actually some of the things Samsung's done with One UI. I mean, I don't really like the overall look and where some things are placed, but their you know, video editor in the gallery is actually much more powerful than yeah. photos, which is Oh, Photos is a garbage gallery <laughs> app, but it's it's all about the cloud. So there we go. But no, I, I, you're, I'm with you. I don't think of them as skins anymore. I think they're basically Android is coming to a point where it's all very similar. We don't need to worry so much about all these minor differences between the different versions. Then how do you how do you think about different versions of Android across different phones? You've you, you've used them all. <laughs> yeah, <God. laughs> used far too many. I think I think Sherlyn's right. I think you know. The point that you made that apps look the same no matter what version of Android you're using or what flavor of Android you're using is really the important point. So, like, I have a Fire tablet that I use as my, like, night side reading tablet. And when I open Pocket on that, it looks like Pocket on my phone. And, like, when I open Kindle on that, it looks like Kindle on my phone. There's no relearning I have to do. Like, the home screen's a little different. The launcher's a little different. That's really about it. And, And so, like, there's that, like, known quantity that... Android's been around for 10 plus years. People know how to use it. They want, they know how their apps uh, expect to look. And like, you know where the notifications are going to be. You know where multitasking is going to be. And you know where like your media player controls are going to be. And like, that's, that's what matters. And that's what you interact with on a daily basis. And then the rest of the time you're in apps. And so to me, I know, I know like a lot of, a lot of people really love the way the Pixel software works to me. Like, it's great. It's fine. So is Samsung's. Like, if there's something I like better on a Samsung phone than on on Google's Pixel phone, I'm going to just use the Samsung phone because, like, basically I'm in apps all the time. So, like, the app experience is visually the same. So uh, it's it's, it's a much less of a, a, a determining factor. I mean, that said, there can be really bad interfaces. Like, LG does weird things all the time with Android and, like, moves things around. It doesn't tell you why or where it is. And if you are used to using other devices, moving to, like, something like an LG phone might be a little jarring. Or, you know, uh, different markets, a lot of the Chinese phones have very different ideas of how app launchers should look and and how, you know, you should navigate the uh, interface. And so that can be a very different experience. But I think for most people who are staying in the same market, in the same location or whatever, and they're looking at new phones, like one Android phone is very similar to another to them. So the other thing that's different, I don't know, with different versions of Android, or it, it's sort of related and it's hard to separate, is ecosystem. So there's people that live fully in like Google Suite ecosystem. There's people that live in all of Microsoft's apps. And the Duo is actually a very interesting device in that regard. There's people that live only in like iCloud Apple land. Uh, there's people that are just in a weird mix of, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, like, wait, Charlotte, where do you, where do you live? Do you, can you, is it too much information to ask where, no, your, no. where your shit is? I'm a full on Google baby. I, okay. our company uses G Suite and yeah, I, you know, having quit 
Microsoft was, you know, actually pretty good because Google just does mobile apps better um, than Microsoft did. I feel bad for the iCloud people because <laughs> I'm sorry, but that base storage for free of five gigs is nothing. Oh, it's woof. It's so it's bad. It's pittance. It's, yeah. And, and Google at least like comes with a hundred gig, gig, well, it used to come with a hundred gigs free, like unlimited photo storage and stuff like that, which is very helpful. And even when I have to pay for extra storage, it's very cheap on Google. I start at $2 a month and that gives me a hundred gigs more or something. And then for the Microsoft people, I'm not very sure. Like you don't have a mobile system to really work with other than, and well, Android and iOS apps are good, but it's not as baked in, not as well. Right. Yeah, so that that's why the duo is so interesting to me because um, when you look at Samsung or LG or I don't know Huawei when they were allowed to make Android phones, <laughs> TCL, you know, they don't have an entire ecosystem of stuff. Like Samsung's got health, and they like they once upon a time had Milk Music, and they were like trying to build the thing. They got a new no Notes app now, though, Dieter. The Notes app is great. Yeah, they got a great Notes app ecosystem. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but Microsoft has that ecosystem, and you know you say their mobile. Apps aren't as well integrated as Google's. That's true, but their mobile apps, like Outlook, especially, mm. but I think in general, like Word has always been like one of the better doc editors on mobile, mm. especially compared to Google Docs app. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> their apps are really, really good, and they have a whole ecosystem. And so, looking at the Duo as like a flagship device that is Microsoft, like in the full stack, is a really fascinating proposition for me. I, I one of the comments that I kept seeing people make as almost an excuse for the duo when the reviews came out was that some people or the fans were like, all these reviewers don't understand that this is supposed to be a business phone. And I was like, if it was a business phone, I don't think Microsoft would have went with Android. I think it went mm. with Android because it wanted to make a mainstream or a more mainstream device. And it knows its flaws as a mobile OS maker. And yes, I agree that like, again, Microsoft's mobile apps have gotten way better and they're actually better for people who want to be product productive on the go. So the duo actually is a very interesting marriage of the two yeah. uh, companies. I, I still feel like, and not to circle back to the duo too quickly, but the proposition of the duo as a business first device strikes me as just, it's not accurate. It's a very weird thought. Yeah, I was well. One of the things that I've seen a lot of discussion about is that people are saying that oh well, Microsoft expects you to carry the Duo and another phone, and like <laughs> the Duo is not your phone. They're not calling it a phone. It's not your phone. You, they expect you to con- carry a phone to do the functional phone things. And like, yeah, that's what people did ten years ago. They carried a BlackBerry and an <laughs> iPhone because the BlackBerry was where all their email was, and the iPhone was where all their life was. We've yeah. moved past that. Like, yes. there's a reason BlackBerry doesn't exist anymore, and it's because it couldn't handle the fact that the rest of the market moved past it and like your iPhone or your Samsung phone or whatever smartphone that you pay for and buy is the center of your life. It's the center of your work life. It's the center of your personal life. It's the center of your entertainment. It's the center of your communication. It is all of that. And so like to think of something as like, oh, it's it's only for business. It's like, well, that doesn't really, really reflect how people use devices now and how people live with devices. There's, there's, there's no line. Like there's, you you move from personal use to work use and back again all the time on the same device. And so like the, the the what we were speaking about earlier of like is this a phone or is this not a phone? It's like, well, yes, it's a phone. It's also a tablet. It's also your email place. It's also where you're gonna watch YouTube. It's also where you're going to uh, you know, communicate through messages, it's also where you're gonna catch up with your Instagram feed, it's where you're gonna post to Instagram. It's like it's all of that. And so like a device really that is this personal does have to kind of do all those things and do all of them to a certain level that is not going to bring it down from the rest, uh, bring down the rest of the experiences is what I should say. So that, that's, that's been kind of that interesting pull between the two devices, the, the, the two perspectives. But like, mm-hmm. I really think that most people are like, I'm going to buy this. This is going to be my, my device, my main device. I'm not going to buy an iPhone to keep in my other pocket. Like that's just not going to happen. So thinking of it as a business device, my 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 initial thought was if you want a phone as a business phone and you know you want to, you need to get an Android phone um, and you have fourteen hundred dollars to throw <laughs> around on it, you could get a, a Galaxy Note uh, twenty Ultra and you got you get you know a big screen that you could split screen if you want um, and you get all the cameras and you get a stylus and uh, you would have to buy, pay separately for a Surface mm-hmm. Pen um, and it just seems like it's a it's a way better deal. But the 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 case for the 
Surface Duo being a business phone, I think fundamentally comes down to whether or not you buy into the two phone concept and like getting into the flow and like feeling pretty natural having two windows because it's way easier to open up two windows on two different screens than it is to deal with Samsung's weird drawer and drag the app and then drag the other app, blah, 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 blah. You just like, you open up on the screen you want to put an app on, you open up the home screen, you tap that app and you're done. Um, Did you ever have like, the moment that Panos Panay talks about where you're in the flow? <laughs> Not really. Only because my review process doesn't involve as intense a work-related flow, right? I, I use it more for entertainment and relaxing stuff like, oh God, the hours of solitaire that I played. Uh, you know, <laughs> I played so many hours of solitaire. That was my, that was my moment when I yeah. turned yeah. it into basically a mini casino machine where I just <laughs> set it up on my desk with the, with like reverse tent mode and had one screen facing me outwards. And I was just yeah. like solitaire for hours. Um, no, but like reading, you know, watching YouTube on one screen while you're replying to text on another or keeping an eye on your Twitter feed while you're kind of crafting up a, a, a very thoughtful medium pose, I guess, <laughs> is it, are some of the ways that I would have I, I used it, and it's great. It's very actually, and how what's the word for it when you're very engrossed in something? Or I think that's it. That's yeah, you're just like it's yeah. very. It sucks you in when you're using it in that book format. You are kind of closed off to the rest of the world when you're looking at the duo like that. But in this world that we live in, we're very rarely that way anymore because those are situations when you're sitting back commuting and you want to get emails sort of while you're editing an article on the other screen. But we are at home all the time now, so I'm always doing that on my laptop, which is a far better machine for it. Or mm-hmm. I'm sitting back on my couch watching TV. I don't want to be watching, not watching the TV and looking at the duo instead. So maybe it's just the timing of it where like, if I were commuting more, I would find the duo a lot more useful or if I were taking planes more traveling more. <laughs> Dan, do you ever split screen? You use a ton of big phones all the time. Have you, have you ever split screen now? The one or two instances where I split screened is I was watching a, a YouTube video and I had to tweet about it. And so like <laughs> I drew the little line or whatever so I could keep the video box up and I could pull up the keyboard and tweet about it. I, I find Android's split screen UI very cumbersome to use. Oh, well, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, which Android? They're, 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 <laughs> well, like, I mean, so, 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 so not the duo. So like single, single screen devices, even if they've got big screens, I just wrapped up a review of the tab S seven big Ooh, screen devices. Obviously Android has like that. If you're in the Android mode, you can like do the same thing you can do on the fold. I never used it in the Android mode. Like, like I, I, I never did that, that split screening because it's very mm-hmm. cumbersome to use. And, and on a phone, I think that like you are really, even if you've got a big phone, even if you've got a Note 20, you're still cutting the screen in half or maybe in, in one third and two thirds. And there's not so much you can do there. I think the Duo is super interesting in that you do have two real size screens that you don't have to do jump through a bunch of hoops to get two things open on. And so like if I wanted to keep a YouTube video on one side and tweet on the other, like that is the thing that could easily be done uh, without having to like really think about it. And like sit down and, and I have this problem with the iPad too. Whenever I need to multitask, I have to like think about it and like, <laughs> how do I get these two apps to show side by side before I edit this document? And I got to like do the gestures and move things around and stuff like that. Whereas Microsoft is very easy to pick up and understand and, and straightforward, at least from a concept level. So it seems like Microsoft is going to keep making these. They're, they they seem committed. Like the the knock on the Surface line in general is always the first one's bad, the second one you can see that they know what to do but they haven't done it yet, and the third one they get it right. So okay, what do you want them to do on the next one? We'll we'll talk about the, the ideal third one later. Like when they fix everything, that'll be the third one, but the second one where we know they're not going to get everything right but they like hit the important stuff, what do you want them to fix next or do next? Fix that goddamn camera. Um. <laughs> The camera is important, I think, just to make it work well and and the way it should, in the way that people expect. Ideally, and I think we sort of alluded to this earlier on, but because it's so thin, there are certain things that they couldn't really make happen. So NFC isn't in there. I don't think that NFC is super important, but it is to some people who make a lot of contactless payments. Also, I don't know if you noticed this during your review, but when you watch a video in tablet mode, or even if just as book mode, the speaker is only on the left side. 
Yeah. So it's a little bit off, um, and that would really improve the tablet experience when you're watching videos if they were able to add a second speaker to the right. But I understand they have limited space to work with. I mean, this thing is weighted so well. Like, it feels so good to hold that maybe I I feel like this is a minor complaint. But if they could figure out some magic for the second edition, that would be good. Sherlyn, you you mentioned earlier that it kind of sucks as a phone. Yeah. What could they do to make it better as a phone. If this really is is a, a single device that you have and, and it works as your phone and other things, what could what do you think they could do to improve that? I think uh, the width of it, I don't know. It's hard. I like the size, but the width of it is really getting in the way of it being like a, a single screen device as a phone. The the camera I mentioned is another thing. I know, Dan, maybe you don't think of it this way, but I, I think of my smartphone as my camera. I do. I take a lot of photos. So that's that's one thing they really need to improve, too. Otherwise, I mean, that that thinness is great. So if they just made it a bit more narrow, the software is fine for a phone because it is just Android at this point. Mm-hmm. So I almost, yeah. And, and there's a lot of things I don't think Microsoft itself can do alone. I think that there's a lot of things they need to work on with Android and developers. Like Gboard needs to work better because I don't, I'm not a big fan of SwiftKey. And mm-hmm. SwiftKey is the only keyboard that will understand this device right now. So those are some things that are on my wish list. I'm not sure that we'll get them, though. Well, no. So, like, my wish list is, is relatively similar. What's interesting is, you know, this thing has got eight, a Snapdragon 855, which I think is fine. I think they should have put more RAM in it. But when we talk about speeds and feeds and just, like, they like all the comp- – you want stereo speakers, you want a better camera. Like, that's all stuff that they could just do. Uh, but then will they be able to do it and maintain that thin form factor is a, just a big open question. Same thing with 5G. Like, I don't care about 5G now. I might care in, like, two years. And presumably, if you're going to spend this much money on this thing, you're going to want to keep it for two years. So, like, that's, like, a tough one for me at this moment. I think in terms of its width, I would be fine with it being a little bit narrower, a little bit taller, but not too much because I think the, yeah. the fold does goes the opposite way and it's way too tall. Yeah. What they should do is they should have, like, a, a pop-out handle that you can actually hold with one hand so the thing would mm. look like a, like a like a ping pong paddle, right? <laughs> and then you've got one-handed use because you could just, yeah. you know— it's more stable. Yeah, that's what I want in the the Surface Duo too. Panos should pay you for that idea, Dieter. I deserve it. I deserve all sorts of money for that. <laughs> By the way, how how insufferable is the Duo Two going to be? Because it's Duo and then two. Think, just think it's about two o two o. I don't know. Yeah. I two screens a second time. The reduo. <laughs> the do over. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, there's yeah. your there's your headlines. Well, it's already out in the world. I can't use it now. Well, we're gonna come up with something. I love how Dieter, you and Michael Fisher had the same headline for your Galaxy Z Fold two reviews. Double troubles. Yeah, yeah. Although I put an S on mine because oh, I was yeah. saying it's double. There's troubles oh. anyway. Okay. Well, I think that is probably enough for now on the duo. We're obviously gonna have another version to look at. They're gonna be complaining about Android fragmentation. There's all sorts of stuff coming. Uh, but you know, we, we've also just like this season is just getting started. Like, there's so much more stuff coming. I'm a zombie talking to you guys right now. I'm dead and reanimated for this. Um, but it is. <laughs> It is a relentless product cycle. It's a relentless product cycle, and it's um, it's made a little bit harder because a lot of us are working from home, and so it's hard to not be able to go to the event and like talk to people and, and like hold the thing and whatever. Uh, so it's just it's a lot, and so we're going to keep doing uh, some of these podcasts where we are going to go behind the scenes in the reviews. Uh, we're also going to keep living this very difficult <laughs> life of reviewing new gadgets all the time. Charlotte, thanks so much for joining us. There it is. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I am Backlon. We will catch you next Tuesday.